Welcome to the Tavern of the Tagus Warriors. I'm Roy Gim, aka the Old Taverner, back again from hiatus. Um, temporarily back, but I, I just can't stay away. It's it's so much fun, and uh, with, obviously, uh, what I've what have I missed out on this weekly podcast thing? Um, very ambitious from the rest of the Tavern writers, the greatest assembly of writers ever in the history of mankind on the discussion of Korean football. Of course, I'm also exercising hyperbole, so bear with me here. Um, checking in from new Tavern uh, studio in Austin, Jay Chi. What up, Jay? Hello. How is everyone? <laughs> and um, we've also got um, Tavern Studio Connecticut back online. So welcome, Jinsuk. Hi, guys. And Tavern Studio Quebec, which, ironically, I think uh, the physical tavern here near Washington, D.C. has more snow than Quebec, <laughs> uh, Canada. Uh, we've got Tavern Studio Quebec. What up, Tim? Hey, everyone. All right. I'm very, very excited. And let's, let's start off right from the get-go. Um, obviously, a lot of things going on. Today, um, pretty momentous day for the U23 uh, Korea squad. They are trying to uh, advance to the Olympics uh, in order to qualify, if you're not in the know, they need to at least um, be in the top three. So third, third place uh, winners uh, is, is the very least that can win. Otherwise, the runner-ups or the finalists for the AFC uh, U23 championship will advance to the Rio 2016 Olympics. Very exciting, obviously, for a number of reasons and very probably more important for Korea because if they win a medal, just like in 2012, um, these players will have uh, their careers relatively unfettered. They will have military exemption. I'm very excited about the prospects of that. However, they won 1-0 in the quarterfinals against Jordan. It's fair to say that I think this was a very unconvincing win. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yep. It's kind of one of those uh, tale, of two halves. tale of two halves, yeah. The first mm-hmm. half was, was, was solid, good. The second half was decidedly less so. And so I mean, I think... On on the run of play, I think Korea was the better side and deserved to win, quote unquote. But uh, there were there were some certainly some things to take note of for for sure. Right, right. Um, you know, if you tuned into the second half, um, you saw Jordan um, look like they scored a spectacular equalizer that was um, called back, but. I think most people would say, looking at the replays, that that was a goal that should not have been disallowed. Yeah. Oh yeah, the guy, the guy who scored the header was completely onside. Yeah, no, it was absolutely onside, and it was a terrible decision by the ref. And I think, like, I I haven't been a linesman before, but it seemed to be a fairly standard call. Like, there was nothing tricky about it. The player was on the same line as the. Uh, as the far defender on the left side, a terrible decision by the ref. And yeah. can we just talk? No, I was just like, like can we just talk about like the, the atrocious defending in that goal? Like, uh, well, maybe it wasn't atrocious, but the guy was unmarked in the six-yard box, right in front of the keeper, clearly onside. We we missed our offside trap completely. There was a through ball played. Like the, the two center backs stepped up to play the striker behind them offside. 
but there was still a run coming in, into space on the other side. And it just seemed for a second there, it was one of those mistakes where no one took any leadership and everyone was caught ball watching. It was, it was, it was extremely frustrating because, you know, it seems like younger generations of Korean teams are getting better at defending or more solid at this. Maybe it's overgeneralizing to say that. It was just extremely frustrating to see us, well, conceive what should have been a goal against uh, an opponent who really shouldn't have been causing us problems. Yeah, well, I think, I wonder, and maybe this is something uh, Jinsuk can answer better since he, he watches the younger teams a little more often, is that that maybe that lack of leadership possibly came because of the goalkeeper change that Kusung Yoon was in instead of Dong Joon? Um, actually, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Now, now the thing is, Kusung Kusung Yoon was very very nervous on his debut today, right? Um, but is that something that could have been prevented had Kim Dong Joon been there? Now, Kim Dong Joon is a very vocal keeper. So is Lee Chang-gun, and Lee Chang-gun, right, he, he's been the, he's been the ex-captain to see him fall to third place. It was actually very shocking to me. But, um, yes, I, I, I do wonder, you know, I, I can't provide you an answer because to be honest, um, ball watching scenarios like this are far too common. But, um, I would, I would think that some things might have gone different had the, there been a different keeper. Yes. From, from the, from the outset of, um, very much on the attack very confident, you know, um, and, and it looked like they had the run of form and it was like, it seemed like in the narrative of things, um, that they were bound to score and equalize and overtake this game. Um, Korea's confidence level was abject. I mean, the passing, you know, on a, on a number of levels that was, there was a abject, um, failure in, in, in passing and, in yeah. So I watched the second half and I didn't, I didn't catch the first at all, and I was actually very surprised to see what looked like Jordan having much more possession. You know, they dispossessed us all the time. Yeah. They're the ones that are doing the attack, and we weren't really getting anywhere near their box, and that, and that was really weird. And I actually think, um, I'm suspecting that not, okay, okay, there has to be some element of the players losing concentration completely. But I, I'm actually wondering, do you guys think that this was um, a culprit of, fatigue by it at all because the players did not look like themselves only two of them started against Iraq so I mean most of them are off for you know five days or more Mm -hmm. six so I don't think it was really a fatigue I do wonder though maybe if I don't know if there was just an overconfidence thing because I mean the first half they 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 did play I thought fairly well they they made a few chances. They really pinned Jordan back. And so I don't know, maybe if somewhere I get halftime, I just thought, you know, we've got this. Jordan can't connect on anything and or something. Because, I mean, that was certainly the feel. There were a number of articles that came out before the match from, from interviews with Shin Taeyong about, you know, they were a little bit relieved that they'd gotten Jordan because it's a team they thought they could beat and, you know, dominate with their attacking play kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I just wonder if maybe... They felt there was just this overconfidence, and then Jordan just came out, and in the second half, it just kind of sucker punched them, and they just never recovered. I thought the narrative was was, was strange from Shin Tae-yong because, you know, he said like we're gonna play this match as if it was the finals because it's it's do or die, because if you lose this match, there's no dream of the Olympic Games of exemption or anything. It's it's, it's over. 
But at the same time, he's saying, oh, but we can beat them. I have, you know, a few ideas of how to beat them, and then we're relieved and we're not worried. And I don't want to criticize Shin Taeyong. Maybe it's because, you know, he's he's just a favorite in, in, in the books of, of many Korean supporters. But I think the pre-media talk to this game, maybe the, 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 the pro... Well, I just thought it was it wasn't the best, you know, it wasn't the best PR strategy, and probably probably gave the players that overconfidence. But you know, it's I I've, I'm not quite sure what to attribute this, attribute this to. I mean, we haven't seen it all tournament. The team's been fairly consistent. So well, Uzbekistan, they were pretty bad the second half too. Yeah, right. But I don't know. Like, it could it could be it could be that it could be overconfidence. I, I don't know what could cause him to lose concentration like that, to be honest. I don't know where this runs into the timeline of things, um, but Moon Cheng Jin, when he went out injured, there definitely, I, I thought, was another, um, if their confidence level was already um, on the wane before he got injured, when he got stretched out, um, you know, I, I was wondering if the players had this collective, oh shit. And, you know, um, I don't know how you guys rate uh, Kim Hyun, but, uh, you know, I just... You know, um, right, you know, I'm sorry. I'm completely. Let's let's scratch that. It's not Moonshine Jing that went out. It's Wang Chen. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. When he was taken out by Stretcher, like I thought, the the one guy that has been very dynamic in, in oh, yeah. being able to clean things, um, you know, suddenly I felt I was wondering, you know, if if the players themselves felt like, you know, he was the linchpin. If if the like some kind of um, bubble burst in their confidence yeah you know that's actually a very good point you know like Hwang Yi-chan has been probably the most hyped player in the media so far next to Kong Chang-un yeah and the and the players probably know this and I think that is another very good idea as to what have could have caused this you know oh shit moment from Hwang Yi-chan getting injured um though the thing that I was actually was about to say is uh this is a very far-fetched conspiracy theory okay but but uh, Shin Taeyong, you know, he's all about, you know, hiding techniques. He's all about, you know, oh. let's not show the manager, like, what we're going to do. And he probably knew that, like, the Qatar or, or North Korea, either Qatar or North Korea would be watching us play, right? Oh, sure. So, yeah, so after, uh, they're probably at the game. So, like, my conspiracy theory is because he was so con- confident about Jordan, he actually, like, played play purposely like differently than he would against guitar and like you know as to not like show the like not like show the guitar manager like what we're gonna do you know that kind of thing i don't know it's very far-fetched it seems far-fetched to me he's already shown it over the course yeah. of the tournament i mean yeah yeah that's... i mean this, this term is in qatar so i mean they can watch all of our games Right. Or very easily. So, I mean, he's seen, you know, the Uzbekistan probably, and he has footage of Uzbekistan and uh, Yemen and Iraq and this one. So, I don't, yeah. it seems. It's probably not intentional. I think, yeah. even if he was super confident yeah. under that to uh, really try to conceal too much. I, I mean, I get that Shin Jung, you know, he plays his cards, you know, wisely, but at the same time, if if he really wanted to conceal everything about the team, then why would he have friendlies that were not closed door? Because a lot of teams scheduled closed door friendlies, uh, and we only knew the result and who scored. But Shin Tae Young had them on, you know, national television. So, you know, I don't, 
really by it, but I see where it's coming from. Yeah. But I mean, on that note, I do see, I do expect him to switch back to that four-one-four-one. Absolutely. Yes. Out of the diamonds. So. I was going to say the diamond just failed spectacularly. It doesn't seem to work. There's just there's, there's no fluidity in the midfield. The Pacquiao seems very isolated, and it's kind of a problem. Uh, the diamond it can work, but the way the that it's playing isn't doesn't play to its strengths mm-hmm. because they in the first half they were doing a lot of crossing. It was going after the fullbacks while yeah. they were both crossing in, and that doesn't obviously play to Huang Yichan's strengths because he's not the biggest in the air. I mean, Quan Chung has a decent leap on him, and he we've seen him get on two crosses, but I mean, it wasn't playing the way they wanted to, and to talk a little bit, little tactics about what Jordan did in the second half is that they, they took advantage of those second balls into the spaces around Pak Kyung-woo. And so that's really where they were getting kind of going is that they won the second balls. There was no Koreans around them because Moon Chan-jing and Yi Chan-min weren't tracking back enough to, yeah. to cover those spaces. And so Jordan was getting those breaks out of those little area pockets of space. The one goal from a defensive lapse. So, I mean, if we can talk about something good that they did before before I become very harsh on them, <laughs> is yeah. you know on the defensive lapse, very quickly if you're breaking it down, Root um, was able to to um, find Moon Ching Jin uh, was able to um, lay it off for him, and, and he was able to finish um, clinically. But th- there is there there's Moon Ching Jin who is at the right place at the right time can score those goals. Um, I think the best goal I seen him score was, was I think against uh, Uzbekistan. But beyond that, you know, he can be very invisible. Beyond, uh, uh, beyond that, um, Huang Hee Chan is the one who's or, or uh, Quan Chen Hun's creators uh, that I see, um, and then Rue also becomes very invisible sometimes. He, he can get those assists, but you know, he hasn't been prolific in scoring. He scored once. Uh, That's very interesting. You know, Moon Chang Jin and Yu Sheng have historically been the aces of this team. Yet they're the ones that are underperforming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could say, you know, Rishung was coming back from not getting any playing time. You know, Moon Chang-jin is coming off of injury. But Yi Chang-min is also coming off of injury. He's doing very well. Hon Chang-min is also coming off of injury. He's also doing very well. So I don't know what's going on with them, to be honest. They're, what I, I have no idea. Yi Chang-min, uh, a quick second. Yeah, he had a very good... Um some very good touches in the second half. When it, it looked like they were, towards the end of the match, they were starting to get it together a little bit. And right. um, he, he, had a, he had a very good um, yeah. run and Yi-chang had a decent shot. Always, always. Like, it's very rare to see Yi play badly with this team. You know, ever since, you know, like before 2012, 2011, you know, all that, all that time, Yi has been very, very good. So then I guess maybe it's a good time to transition over to the... Qatar. Qatar match because I think we've done you know uh, we've done the roundabout on the, on the on the Jordan match uh, in the last podcast which never came out because of audio problems we kind of mentioned how the one team well Jinsek and I mentioned that the one team that we wanted to avoid at all costs was Qatar I'll just explain why and from my point of view why I'm worried about Qatar is that like this team a lot of the players they have this chemistry that many teams won't have because of the Aspire Academy program. And 21 of the 23 players have actually are currently in or have graduated, I guess, from the Aspire Academy system. And I guess maybe it's not. This, this team is just incredibly quick. They're playing at home in an environment in which they're comfortable. 
they've scored, I think, what, nine, ten goals in four oh, games? A lot of goals. A lot of goals. Yeah. But uh, I think one player, just getting his name out there, one player we, we have to worry about is, uh, I think they're a center attacking mid, if I'm not mistaken. A uh, lot? No, well... Or, or Atta Karim Hassan. No, Atta Karim Hassan is a right, as a fullback. Yeah, he's a fullback. He's a fullback. He's a fullback who scored four goals for some reason. Okay. But uh, Ahmed also has four goals. Yeah. He's very scary. But I, I can't like in the last game in the in the the the, the quarterfinals, uh, Akram Afif was actually pretty. Afif, that's right. Afif was dangerous, and he's very speedy. He's got a great eye for a pass. He's difficult to dispossess. Some players call some, well, many you know other other bloggers might call him selfish at times. But if he's able to produce that little bit of magic and get that through ball up the middle and, and split the defense, which I, seems to be a weakness that's common in Korean teams where pace up the middle mm. can be an issue. Then I mean, we're we're in tough against Qatar. It's yeah. not at all you know just the name Qatar sounds like a, you know a country that we should be beating, but this team not at all yeah. not at all could go all the way in this tournament could cause a few teams some scares in in. Uh, uh, at Rio, if they make it there, I'm pretty sure they will. This is a very strong team. Team is has an amazingly quick attack. Like yeah. they're they're probably they're, they're probably the best attack in the tournament. Um, I could easily see these guys creating problems for us, considering right. Uzbekistan and Jordan can cause problems for us. These guys can absolutely score against us, and and to be honest, I think they will. The thing is, um, they've conceded at least one goal every single game they played. Um, they're pretty leaky at the back, so honestly, this match is going to be about who can outscore the other. That's what I'm expecting. But how good are we? How good are we at set pieces? Because I just just looking through the highlights. I mean, I think all but one of their goals they conceded came from like either directly from a set piece, like a, a free kick or a corner or, or a penalty. Seriously? Yeah. Now going back to set pieces, though, you know, there was a lot of media coverage about Shin Taeyong's. Uh, Corner tactics, actually. I think it was after the Iraq game where we scored off of like of, of a corner. Well, not a direct corner, but like some sort of corner play. And I don't know. There was a lot of there was a lot of coverage about that. There was also the um there was there was also the corner where Moon Chanjin passed really fast to Hwang Chan, who like just missed the goal. Yeah, yeah. So like you know stuff like that. You know Shin Taeyong's um his set piece play does get some attention. The thing is, I don't. I only remember like scoring off of a set piece like once. But it, like going back to why like cause the, the four four two thing, just 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 to get it out of the way, like there's no way Shin Tae Young's gonna play the four four two and ask Pak Young Woo to have responsibilities of shutting down, you know, a thief or a law. Like that's not that's happening. not that's not happening. We we've spoken about Qatar, we've spoken about, you know, the danger that they might pose. Uh, I guess quickly just go through, you know, each person, one line answer. Are we going to win, yes or no, against Qatar semifinals? Predictions, predictions. Um, well, I'll, I'll be positive and say we will win, but it'll be a very nervous, we'll say penalty shootout win. Roy, Roy. I think we will win. I think it's going to be an ugly win. Um, it could be something on the lines of 2-1 uh, to one or, dare uh, say, 3-2. to two. I, I, it's, it's hard to say, but quickly going just on... Uh, Cotter's um, group stage record. I think, other than Iran, they had a very, very easy group. They beat China three to one. Cut them like butter. Um, Iran's their toughest match. They did beat them, so that was like two to one, mind you. And then you know Syria, that that was you know of 
four to two, that was an easy win, but you can see they leaked two goals there and they barely, barely were able to get by North Korea in the quarterfinals. Yeah. So I think Korea has the quality. Yeah, okay, Jinsa. Right. Um, I'm calling a one, two to one win in not extra time for Korea. Not extra time, okay. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a midfield battle, I think. Yeah. A lot of midfield. I honestly don't think we're going to win, but I'm always the pessimist here. So the the indications that we saw in this Jordan game weren't very positive, and I'm just hoping that we can stay focused and play uh, like we did against uh, Yemen. Let's say we lose against Qatar, that that then that sets us that sets us up with a third place match against either the loser of the other semifinal, which is either going to be uh, 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 Iraq, Iraq or Japan. So. I don't know if I can ask this. I don't know if we know enough about both the teams, but who would you rather play in that third place match? For me, it's Japan. I think Korea, like as Koreans, you know, like we will always have that burning motivation and that like drive to win against Japan at all costs. And I, and I honestly think that if in the right mindset, we can easily, okay, not easily, but we are superior to the Japanese team. <laughs> <laughs> I think Iraq, just because we beat them already, uh, ugly style, but um, not convincingly, but, you know. Um, well, we didn't win. Yeah, yeah, we've drawn them three times in a row. Oh, really. In my mind, it was a win. I forgot about the equalizer. Oh, it was an abysmal equalizer on, on Korea's part. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we've got quality to, to, to beat them. I, but I don't say that lightly. It, it, could, it still could go either way. But, you know, all things being equal. If you have anything to add, Jay, or not, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have any preference. All right. Well, then, it's all the same to me. You have to win it, regardless. Right. That's plenty yeah. of motivation if it's Japan or Iraq. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I guess I, I guess we'll just throw it in here. So the semifinals are, of course, uh, Tuesday morning, as you just mentioned. Someone just dropped the glass. Uh, and then Friday will be the third-place match. But if we do lose in the semifinals, then that's our last chance. And the finals will be on Saturday, Saturday the 30th uh, of January. Um, is there anything else to add? I'll just throw it out. It'll be dated news by the time this is actually people listen to it. But the latest that I saw in Huang Yichan's condition was that it's not a serious injury. Mm. But no more tomorrow. They'll have another assessment. And then they should know tomorrow ready to go, if he's good to go for the Qatar match. Well, that sounds sounds good then. Um, Podcasts are the best. <laughs> um, so, so we wrapped up the U23 stuff. Move on to just, I guess, a uh, rapid-fire session, if you will, on the Korean players abroad. Um, a lot has happened since we've last comprehensively talked about them. Um, but I guess we can start with... And we've covered this in detail on the, on the blog as well, so it can be kind of quick. Um, but Sakyun Jun, of course, has moved to FC, Port- FC Porto. He's completed his transfer. Um, there was this interesting story that Sporting offered more for Sakyun Jun, but Sak wanted to move to Porto uh, instead, which might explain why there was a, a delay um, from when the strong rumors came out and when the actual deal went through. Um, that and the manager, tra- uh, um, the sack yes. and, and the hiring of the new manager. Yep. Yeah. If, if I understand correctly, the man, the last manager wanted to make sure that Porto 
would science talk before he left or something or yeah yeah there was a letter from the president or something that was really cool yeah the outgoing administration kind of just said like sock is our last wish and so uh there's uh, sock uh, came in to porto so um he started a match i mean really quickly does anyone know uh the, the reason why he t- favored porto over sporting yeah this yeah, Porto's like a more like known. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Even though Sporting's, yeah, I think that it also might be some sort of like I think he might think his chances are better to break into the top side, the first squad at Porto than at Sporting, especially because Sporting has got things working for them right now, whereas Porto's a bit, you know, shaky for their standards, uh, for their high standards, very high standards. Um, uh, they always seem to be in the in the in the the, the usual suspects being either Europa qualifying or Champions League qualifying and so yes. forth. Yes, yeah. Um, said that he thought he was a pretty decent uh, view in, in a Portugal Cup match, and he had a couple opportunities and two headers that hit the crossbar. Yeah, yeah that's what uh, I One yeah, yeah. You know, at the very, very end. It's like that could have been deciding, or, or a, a very vital he was, but, mm-hmm. you know, but a, a, a decent... He played 90 minutes, I think, and then it was, you know, from what I can ascertain, it was a pretty decent um, debut. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I do believe he's been called up again uh, to the. So, so Sock's been called up to like the 18 players, I believe, for a league match coming up, and it might be old news when this podcast comes out. Um, but we'll see if he can make his league debut for Porto, um, and it'll be interesting. To see, interesting to see how that goes. And and, and for the, the the Twitter for anybody who's not in the know about Sukunjun. Um, the, the Twitter version of, of this amazing um, journeyman career is that he, he um, went on trial at Ajax. Um, just a lot of it was ballsy of him to do that. And Martin Yol, um was just said, "Okay, yeah, you're in." And you know he's had a mixed career since then, including a little bit of a stint in the Middle East. But somehow, remarkably, was able to get back into um, European football and in the top flight in Portugal, and yeah. has made a name for himself. Being, I think, the, the second top scorer in. Uh, the Portuguese Liga, so just remarkable yeah, no, in career. Yeah, no, it's the stuff of dreams. This is like the the real journeyman story, and I really hope it can finish well for him. You know, so hopefully, hopefully he gets he breaks in Porto, but it's a tall order and it's a very big leap he's gonna have to make. And you know, he's either gonna fail miserably or he's gonna succeed and you know playing the Champions League and stuff. So it's a huge leap of faith, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I um, don't think there's much else to say about Sock. Um, so then let's move on to our England KPAs. And of course, when you think of England KPA, the first player that comes to mind, because he always he's always the first player to come to mind, it seems, is Sonning Min. Uh, and last week on the podcast that didn't make it out last week because of audio problems, we mentioned how you know there were some worries about Son's, Son's status at, at Tottenham because he wasn't you know, getting consistent first-team minutes. Uh, even though he got that wonderful last-minute goal against Watford, he wasn't really in the loop. And then he's come on midweek against Leicester, and he scored this outstanding goal. So I guess Jay, you can uh, kick us off here. Just I guess recycling the same question as last week. You know, are you concerned about Sun's spot at, at Spurs? Um, just because of the the short history he's got there, I've got. Just a small lingering one because I mean he did he he played the midweek cut match and he scored and then he 
he started again today against uh yeah, yeah that's right the commander everything um so i mean i mean that's certainly a positive compared to where we were when we we chatted about the stuff you didn't hear last week because <laughs> at that point he hadn't <laughs> played it on so starting twice in the week is certainly a good sign but but we do all know that Sonamin is very is streaky in terms of his form and he can score these wonder goals that look great on YouTube but then he'll have this rut where three four games and he doesn't score and he fades out and then he gets benched again so I mean, just because of his history, there's a couple lingering concerns. Spurs is, of course, pushing for you know, Champions League football, and they certainly will not, I think, sit on Son if he's if he's not producing yeah. when they have other attacking options. So, I mean, it's it's always a high risk game in the at the top end of the, the Premier League, but I think certainly positive signs from this week. But he needs to become more consistent, as always. Yeah, so what I said last week was that Son, you know, he, he, he is very streaky and, you know, if he's in a rut, he's not going to play. But, you know, like he's a very popular, he's very popular with the fans. He's highly rated by Pochettino. They also spent a lot of money on him, so he, he will get his chances. And now, and now the question of whether he can play regularly or whether he can play in streaks is, of course, whether he can become more consistent, which has been Son's biggest issue since his Hamburg days. There was that sense. I was I was watching with um, a, a Korean buddy of mine who we, we, we were able to have a few hours mid, in the middle of the week um, and lucky enough to, to be able to catch this. And we were both in the same um, conversation about this uh, right right before Sun scored. That we're like, you know, this is there. This is high stakes for him today. It somehow just feels like you know Sun's got to show up and and show something to Pochettino. And sure enough, look, he did it in spades. You know, with, with um, a brilliant. Um, Son Heung-min esque goal that, that I hadn't seen since his days in the in the, um, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, just brilliant. Um, I think the kind of goal that that they the Spurs were looking at uh, the reason for for acquiring him, um, and and an assist to boot that was also beautiful to watch. So um, yeah, I can't add really much than to say when when he's on, he's on, and, and we're, we're hoping for more consistency like that. Um, and talk and let's shift now to one of our. Usually more consistent players, Ki Sung-young at Swansea, who have been, you know, they as, as a team in general have been in a rut, I believe, just hovering above the relegation zone. Is that correct? I haven't seen standings. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so are you concerned about Ki's production at Swansea? Because there's no question about his starting position, right. but like his... his, his uh, of how he's playing for Swansea, and are you concerned about Swansea in general um, when it comes to avoiding relegation? Well, I am very concerned for Swansea in general. You know, I don't think they've been playing nearly as well as they should be. And to be honest, there's a little bit of luck involved. You know, they played very well against teams like Liverpool, Man City, but very unluckily, you know, they never managed to score. But um, you know, Key's performances have themselves. I think I'm not worried, but I have seen that they have been a little worse. Now, um, the reason why I say that is because the games were actually not that good from him. You know, like his back pass that Ashley Williams had to cover. Um, he he lose he lost the ball more than he should have. Um, I just don't think he's and he's not offering the same offensive threat that he used to. Um, yeah. So I'm not too worried. I think it's just I think this is a natural product of the fact that this team is playing awful. 
playing really badly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think he he also needs to improve, and so does his team. I'm absolutely not worried about uh, Guy and Swansea. I think they, you know, it it, it this does look dicey right now, um, and I haven't seen them in this kind of relegation a scrap um, battle. It, it, I've never seen them in, in this kind of position before. I've seen <coughs> Key doing that with, with Sunderland, but we expect that from Sunderland. Um, not from Swansea. Swansea is kind of a team that, um, you know, they got so much good quality, you, you know, in terms of their structure that, that they have a lot of, you know, having a um, 20% supporter stake, you know, just lends itself to a good kind of managerial stability. And that extends down to um, the, the players that they purchase and, and, and have acquired. And um, they're just, you know, generally good signings, uh, uh, by and large. Um, so they're, on paper, they, they, they have enough quality to um, make it past relegation and, and not get relegated. You know, um, what, what I'm curious about from Jay is I'm not too familiar with um, this manager who, who's come from Udinese. You might be able to... Um, in a Twitter-esque way, <laughs> uh, eliminate what what his what he brings to Swansea. Uh, well, the new manager is yeah. His last job was in Syria with in Italy, Syria with Udinese, um, Francesco Guidolin. Um, at Udinese, he did he did very well with that team. Udinese um, is, I guess, a typical sort of mid-table side for the most part. Um, they. They're owned by the Pozzo family, who also owns uh, Watford and Granada down in La Liga, and so they're they're a family that really kind of wheels and deals players a lot. Every year they have massive turnover, but um, Udinese, even though despite the huge turnover, um, Guidoin did a very good job with them. He got them into Europe uh, a number of times. Into they didn't make it to the group stage of the Champions League, but they qualified for the the. Uh, the qualifying round, I suppose. And uh, of course they produced uh, a number, a few very good players. Uh, Alexis Sanchez is probably the most famous. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he had his breakout with Udinese under Guidoline before he went to Barcelona. And then a couple others. Um, Antonio Di Natale is a very popular okay. uh, player mm-hmm. in Italy. And he's a, he's at Udinese as well. So, um, he's Guido is a good coach, but I mean, obviously, Syria is a very different animal from from the Premier League, and oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to, of course, adjust to the the different tempo and the culture change and the how many games that they have to play. I mean, they missed the he missed the busy, you know, the winter, the Christmas, December fixture. Um, I think to go a little bit back to the main topic, I don't think Swansea will get relegated. Because I do think certainly Aston Villa and Sunderland are definitely worse than them. I think Newcastle probably is too. But, I mean, it's very close. And then, of course, there's a few other sides right around them that, that could drop down as well. But speaking more to Key, um, as people probably know, I'm not a huge Premier League fan, so I don't watch it week in and out. And so I can't really comment on his performances, but I do feel that for him personally, it's time where that he he does try to make a step up to a higher level in a, a bigger team. Because I think I think Swansea, I think he's kind of come as far as he, as good as he can get with Swansea, and I think he needs to he needs another challenge to take that next step as a player. 
personally. So regardless of whether they stay up or get relegated, I think he should try to seek a move up, at least to a team that's, you know, in that kind of fourth through eighth kind of challenging spot, whether that's with in England or elsewhere. Um, he's got a, he's got a very good reputation in the Premier League and, of course, as well for the Chianti. Uh, I mean, he's been one of the most consistent players and consistency is always a valuable asset to have. And I, I generally agree with the points uh, just expressed by, by everyone. Um, I'm just hoping that the curse of uh, one Korean player always getting relegated uh, will not repeat itself this year. But uh, uh, sucks. Uh, he's disapproving, but um, he's... I, I groaned at his conspiracy theory earlier, earlier, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> Can I talk really quickly about Pak Tu Ho? Um, yeah. I saw mm-hmm. uh, a couple of his preseason, well, not preseason, rather, uh, the the Christmas season, for lack of a better term, uh, tunes, and um, you know, I thought he he was um, back in form. Um, it was really thought. good today. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I did get to see. Um, I know they they, they won today. Um, Dortmund, but uh, you know, he, at least in, in the tune-up test matches, um, he he was back to the good Pakuho form that we know. Yeah. Um, I guess since we're running out of time, we'll just call some second Jay one more time, and they can just uh, give their thoughts on one KP that we haven't mentioned. Is it, if that sounds reasonable, um, uh, Jin Song, you can go first. Um, today, I think the most notable was Hong Jung-ho. Um, I didn't I didn't watch too much of his games, but um, I mean I didn't watch too much of the game today. But he was really good, and um, he he made a lot of good tackles, headers, um, and uh, he actually got uh, the who scored, which is the statistics, the statistical oh, yeah. one. He got <laughs> the man of the match today. Oh, that's, that's good. That's, that's good to hear. Um, Jay, play Chungi or free Chungi? Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. But the thing is, you know, they have they have long-term injuries so i think his prospects are pretty good i just thought it was very very disappointing that he didn't play at all today that was a bad sign yeah for me i'll just mention in uh who's maybe still up there in the universe not sure uh but just get the hell out of england please or out of the championship and make your career somewhere else because what he's doing right now in QPR is not working. He doesn't. He's fallen out of favor with, with the managers, and uh, I think he needs to seek a move out of the championship. Uh, and and you know maybe into Germany if he can make it, but if not, you know maybe it's time to come back home to Korea. And this is it's remarkable considering that he he was a, a starter for Premier League QPR side. So yeah, just a little. It's happened. Um. So I think. Uh, because of time constraints, we're gonna have to leave it there. So, um, so thank you for listening to this uh, Tavern Weekly podcast. We're gonna have an extra time uh, edition that we're gonna be recording right after, and will come out uh, later during the week. Uh, of course, tune into the U23 matches uh, this Tuesday and uh, on Friday or Saturday, and of course follow TakeAWarrior.com and take a, an at TakeAwarrior underscore Warrior for all your Korean football news. So from all of us here at the Tavern, thank you for listening and Takayo.